Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Ending the Curse. This evening, we have a very interesting topic, one that, well, actually, I never thought much about until the summer of 1999 when J.J. Johnson's favorite movie came out entitled Stigmata. Uh, It was, of my opinion, a good movie for Hollywood, but the theology was quite terrible. And it left me disappointed to the fact that the movie itself was supposed to be about finding the Gospel of Thomas. And so while watching the movie, it was like having three different plots going on at once that, okay, that left me not confused per se, but okay, what kind of direction are we trying to go in? Are we looking for the purpose of the finding of the Gospel of Thomas? Are we looking about when they find the Gospel of Thomas? Or are we looking at this young girl that they're proclaiming may have a stigmata, but catches the stigmata from another fallen human being. So that just kind of confused me in a, in a whole new way. But as time went on, I began to think about that subject more and more. And so, gentlemen, this evening I want to talk about the subject stigmata. But before we go any further, I want to introduce you to everyone tonight. We are joined once again by Trailer Trash Trayers, the one and the only, the all-famous Victor, Vic Hermanson. Vic Hermanson. And uh, the canon theologian, doctor, father, whatever he is, Robert Wills. And the, the most humble servant, David Griffith. And the one and only, the demonologist specialist who proclaims to reign from the southern states, J.J. Johnson from Southern Demonology. Woo, J.J. There we go. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> but, but, gentlemen, if, if, you'll, if you'll just let me, I want to open up with a verse of Holy Scripture this evening, if it's okay with you. And I have found that whether anyone be Protestant or Roman Catholic, leaves each camp divided in this one scripture's interpretation. And it's from Galatians chapter 6, verse 16, as St. Paul states in the Dewey Rames version, from henceforth let no man be troublesome to me, for I bear the marks of the Lord Jesus in my body. And some believe that this was the first case of stigmata, while some believe that St. Francis of Assisi was the first. But you know what, guys, to me, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to me. I don't care who had it first. The only thing to me is that it has come about. And with that being said, I I find it very hard in... I'm a priest, but I find it very hard to accept at times that stigma that the stigmata has been called the marker of the faith. 
I find it very hard to believe at times that it is considered a gift. And I can even go back to the life of someone that is not too quite uh, in our past, and that's St. Padre Pio. And he was even stated to be embarrassed by the stigmata and by having to wear gloves at all times. And especially, we know that he wore it during Holy Mass because that's when his hands would bleed the most. And I am not, I am not discounting that one bit. And and especially this about St. Padre Pio is that is, I mean, excuse me, uh, of, of St. Francis of Assisi, he found value in the unity that the stigmata gave him with those suffering around him. But what we got to understand is that the root of stigmata is the word stigma, which means a mark of disgrace. Now I want us to remember that. And but that was that was it, it it meant a mark of disgrace as judged by those who have power and dominion in a society. In other words, anybody that was looked down upon, they were stigmatized. But Francis, he was well known for his embrace of those in poverty and peacemaking and the most stigmatized people of that time that he lived in, and, and, and that was the lepers. So with that, with all of that being said, and that little part that I just read, uh, even though I am a priest, and, and you guys, I think you guys have known me long enough to know my heart, and I am all about God receiving all glory and Christ being first served. That is my heart. It's always going to be my heart. I don't care what gift you have, even if it is the stigmata, if it serves the Lord, if it glorifies him, I am all for it. But I told you guys once before that, that I believe it's time that we as brothers and sisters in Christ to become vulnerable and honest and transparent with one another. Well, that goes for me too. You with me? And so, and so I got to be honest. The reason, the reason why I chose this topic is because I wanted Ending the Curse to be one of those podcasts, as we all know, where we discuss the hard things, openly and honestly, right or wrong, indifferent. Let's just get it out and discuss it. But it's hard for me to realize that it said that the most holy people are the only ones that have ever received the stigmata. And that goes for St. Francis. Whether, whether St. Paul was in there or not, I don't know. Like I said, it doesn't matter to me. But St. Francis, St. Catherine of, of, of Sini, uh, St. Padre Pio, and if Josh had his list, I mean, we had a list of folks. But, uh, but, but to me, 
how can someone, it would be hard for me to embrace something like that because I had enough trouble in my own life laying in the bed accepting the pain that I've lived in since 2014. So I can imagine having the wounds of Christ on me. I would not, I would not, Father Bob, I would not receive that as a blessing. I would, I would probably receive that as a curse at the beginning and then argue with God and then fight with God and then tell God I'm pissed off as hell at you and then move forward. So with all of that being said, let's open this can of worms tonight about the stigmata and JJ, I apologize for saying that was your favorite movie, but may we move forward. So one of you guys jump in right now and let's get it rolling. Well, I will offer one small correction and that's uh, stigma, at least in the original Greek meaning in Koine Greek, actually wasn't stigmatized. It was just a mark or a spot or a brand. Okay. It later became to be something negatively viewed, but the original word was not quite like that. Well, thank and, you for that. Thank you for that, though. Seriously. Oh, thank no you. problem. And the other thing I'd like to point out is uh, stigmata are most closely associated with Catholicism. You don't find cases of stigmata on the Orthodox side. So how do you explain that? Really? <laughs> yeah. And there, I mean, and the other aspect to this, and I am not qualified to speak to it, and I can let someone who is much more knowledgeable in the realms of the medical uh, go to town. Vic, I'm probably looking at you, but it's the fact that let's take Saint Francis of Assisi for example. A lot of you know he supposedly gained the stigmata after seeing a six-winged angel who also bore the same wounds. So more than likely, we're talking about a, a seraphim, even though that's not what seraphim looked like. <laughs> um, and it came down, and then he was so moved by this that he then later developed that. However, there are some, at least in the late 80s, there were some suppositions going around that he suffered from a, could have suffered from a particular medical uh, condition that would have caused very similar items to what he experienced because this was, I think, two months before he passed away uh, was when all of this erupted. Very well could have been. There's also an idea that he could have suffered from leprosy himself, and that could have explained some of these symptoms. Um, and then I'll throw one last little piece of information out there, and y'all can do with it what you will. And that is that the vast majority of all cases of stigmata have been not in men, but in women. In women. So. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I uh, read about that. Uh over the past couple of months too, that most of it, most cases did come from women. So, uh, Father Mike, J, JJ is correct. Uh, the, the, the problem with the stigmata as I see it 
is that it is only in the Roman Catholic Church. You don't have any in the Orthodox Church and nothing before the time of Francis, which is in the Middle Ages, you know. Uh, so we're, we're not looking at anything in the early church. And when we look at theology, and, I, you know, being a theologian, I, I look at theology all the time. And I look at it in the sense of antiquity, universality, and consensus. So I would say, you know, is was stigmata back in the original age of the of the apostolic church and we don't see it and then i would say is it universal across all christian groups and i don't see it i don't think there was any in the ethiopian orthodox church there was none i don't think in the nestorian churches and none in the eastern orthodox church I don't know about the Coptic Church, but I don't think I haven't heard of anything out of that, and we don't see anything in any of the Protestant groups. So that makes me, you know, makes me I don't know a little leery of it, maybe. And the second thing that bothers me about this is this whole thing that it seems to be mostly in women and there seems to be a great deal of emotionalism involved in it. And it's, um, it, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like, like when you look at, when you look at different forms of spirituality in across different branches of the church, you, you see people that are usually very committed to God, very committed to studying the scriptures, very open to the Holy spirit. In the stigmata, we see that sort of, but we also see a lot of emotionalism. And that raises a little red flag for me. And I, I believe strongly in the supernatural. Um, but JJ raises a good point about Francis. And with Father Pio... He had some outstanding miracles, different things in his life, and I've studied his life somewhat. He seems to be a very godly and spiritual man, but at the point of his death, the stigmata suddenly disappear, and he always wore gloves, so you weren't sure if he had it all the time or not. Another possibility that maybe the guys want to weigh in on could the stigmata just be, in some cases, be a one-time sign that lasts for a period of time and then it's no longer there? Uh, we know that in spirituality, some things happen because of the situation that you're in. For, for example, if you're in a situation where there's demons present, you suddenly become an exorcist and cast out demons. But but I mean if there's but if there's no if there's no need for that then that gift does not necessarily work at that point, okay. and and this, that goes with all the gifts and callings of God, uh, they're they're sort of situational. Like if um, if somebody needed a word of knowledge and I was praying for them I might get the word of knowledge, but if nobody there needed that, I don't know. You know that, that, and the stigmata may be the same 
the same thing. Maybe God was using it as a sign in a lot of these people's lives temporarily. But then when we look at somebody like Catherine of Siena, she was very almost suicidal in the way that she treated her body. Uh, she was very unhealthy. And we're not sure that she was emotionally stable. So again, we have this, uh, you know, this emotionalism coming in and that sort of thing. So I don't know. What do you, the rest of you guys think about that? Well, I'll weigh I, in a I little. Think... Go ahead. Let's fight about it. <laughs> <laughs> Arm wrestle. <laughs> um, I'll weigh in a little bit, unless Dave just really wants, has a Jones to go first. I've never seen stigmata. I have seen lots of self-inflicted wounds in people. A, a lot of self-inflicted wounds. I've seen people who will do anything in the world they can to get that attention of being sick, of being injured. Uh, so they call it Munchausen syndrome or Munchausen's by proxy if you're doing it to someone else. I had one patient who went to the extent of injecting himself intravenously with his own fecal material. And this caused horrible infections in his body, uh, vegetations on his heart, they broke off, he had strokes, it was horrible. <clears throat> but he wanted that kind of attention. I heard something today, first off, when I was listening to I listened to a few podcasts trying to see, okay, what, what do people have a, to say about the stigmata? And if you just go through the podcast, I probably listened to nine or parts of nine. I couldn't find a single one that talked about it in a serious manner. It was, it was and this is, this is true of almost any kind of religious topic, you know, uh, something along the lines of, uh, uh, you know, hey, I'm, sh you know, I'm sure that uh, Jesus comes down and, you know, sticks nails in people just for fun. You know, these were, nobody wants to talk about these things seriously. And I wonder why. Because obviously these cases have happened, whether or not they are miraculous, whether or not they're self-inflicted, whether or not they're psychosomatic, whether or not there's something that is genuinely used by God to try and uh, inspire others. I don't know. They really, really have happened. But one guy was saying something that I had never heard before, and that is that some of the stigmatics, when they've tested the blood that came from the stigmatic wounds, that there were two types of blood. And they were claiming that they were bleeding not only their own blood, but the blood of Christ. Now, how would you ever know that? And then, of course, the next question I have is, okay, well, how do I test half a dozen stigmatics and see if there's two types of blood and if the second type is always the same type? You know, can you genetically test that? I have a feeling that that's one of those statements that just somebody said because they thought it was cool to say. Uh, kind of a game of telephone thing where <clears throat> that's probably not really the case. I, it's hard for me to think of someone like Francis of Assisi um, faking these things. It really is. You know, and, and there are other things they talk about, and that the, uh, the blood that comes from these wounds is 
it's supposed to have a a pleasant smell a pleasant aroma you know this the smell of what they say is the smell of holiness and i don't know what that would be uh, I, I i i i can't think of it for myself i irritate people i have never needed miracles or signs or anything outside of physical causality to bolster my faith my faith doesn't come from those at all but i think it'd be really interesting to see a stigmatic and i i really wish i had seen one <laughs> you know or somebody in the entire time i was in the er who you know came in new with these particular wounds the other thing i've always wondered is if are all stigmatics stigmatic as if they're looking at a da vinci painting where you know they're penetrated through the palms okay do you ever get stigmatics that are penetrated through the wrist you know which is the you know kind of the mechanical necessity if you're actually going to hang someone from a nail because if you hang if you put a nail in somebody's hand there's really nothing to stop that nail from just ripping right through um so what I came away thinking is that I don't know who the world's leading expert on stigmatics is, but they're very quiet. <laughs> they, they, they don't have a lot to say. So, and Father Birdsong, you kind of said the same thing. I said, I don't, I don't know a lot about this. And you said, nobody does. So I guess that's the limit of what I know at this point. Vic, it looks like no one has ever really made an effort to test any of the stigmatics to really do an in-depth study to find out more about it. Now, with Father Pio, they did check his blood, and there was no difference in his blood. It was normal. Everything was normal on him. So it was not two kinds of blood like you suggest. Um, or like somebody suggested. Uh, Not me. In Father Pio's case also, they did a lot of examination, and they found out that the wounds were very superficial. They were not real deep. They didn't, for example, penetrate the bone. You would think that if you had the wounds of Christ, that it would have penetrated the bone, wouldn't you? I mean... Well, you're you're in the medical profession, isn't that? I, I don't know. I mean, my, my <clears throat> it's very simple to look. I have a pen here. I have some relatively sharp fingernails, strong fingernails. I'm pretty sure that if I wished, just by putting my hands beneath the table, I could be astigmatic before the episode was over. At least I could physically show the signs of being astigmatic in my hands. Uh, I wouldn't do such a thing. I was going to say, are you offering to do a test, a trial <laughs> run there, Vic? I, I, I wouldn't do such a thing, but I do know that as obsessive as, excuse me, as obsessive as I am about doing things right, that they wouldn't be superficial wounds. I'd get all the way through the hand. This this does bring up something something interesting, and I have heard different takes on this but that goes back to how christ was actually crucified mm -hmm. so yeah i've heard that no you couldn't support your weight with with nails through the palms so you'd have to go through the wrists 
at the same time, I've I've heard that you didn't actually have to support your weight with your hands. Correct. Mm-hmm. That they were actually standing on something. The goal was to keep the arms above the shoulders mm-hmm. so that the lungs are, you know, in that position where mm-hmm. you cannot breathe. Right. So it's not that you're necessarily hanging from your hands. So there actually may not be problems with the idea that Christ's, uh, Christ was pierced through the palm as opposed to the wrist. I mean, I do know. I mean, to me, this part of this falls in the same category as the Shroud of Turin, in that people either strongly believe in that or they are somewhat skeptical generally. I place myself in the category of don't know, don't really care. <laughs> you know, if if that's the burial cloth of Christ, wonderful. If not, that's okay too. Um, but there are pious frauds. You know, people who will fake something in order to bolster the faith of others. And I, it would not surprise me if some major portion of stigmatics fell into that category. There is a great episode uh, on Pints with Aquinas. Have you ever listened to that podcast? I have. He brought on a specialist about the Shroud of Turin mm-hmm. that went through the history and the changes back and forth with the science, the beliefs, and where we are currently. Mm-hmm. I strongly recommend listening to that. It was very, very good. It, it does bring up something interesting that if you were to get two different types of blood out of the stigmata, mm-hmm. It would be interesting to compare to other events, mm-hmm. right? Blood types from relics, blood types from um, uh, Eucharistic miracles, mm-hmm. right? Where you can actually test a blood type and, and some profile there. They haven't done like DNA, I don't think, but they've done some basic blood typing. It would be interesting to see if that matched up. Well, when the, it comes the to problem with that, David, is that when a person dies, the stigmata disappear so that and there's no living stig- stigmatic people today. So that right. it would be impossible to get a DNA match, therefore, because your DNA, even if they took a DNA match from these other uh, people that had died, that would not necessarily show two different types because the stigmata has already disappeared when they died. So that's problematic to me. So oh, see, uh, uh, I was thinking another... of a, a, a current stigmat, stigmatic. I wasn't thinking of yeah. a, a buried. And when's well, the last stigmatic that we know of? Well, I'm they, trying to look that David, up. Was... That, that, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, Father Pio, I believe. Father Pio would be, as far as I know, the last one. And, that, and he died in what, 19, what, in the early 1900s? No, it was, fifth, was 58 or somewhere in there. Uh, when Padre, you can in the early 1900s? Ask Google. Or 1800s. No, That's it was 1960. That's what I was saying. In, in 1960. The early 1900s. Yeah, the early 1900s. So, yeah, 1960. So from that alone... 
had me thinking, okay, so if it's so common among the most holy people, why is the last one from 1960? Well, that may say and something. He, and that he died in 1924. May, yeah, he, he died in, in, well, September 23rd of 1968, uh, almost a year to the day when I was born. So in 54 years, we hadn't had another one. So that tells me if, if we believe that most the most holy people will ever get it, uh, that we hadn't had a real holy person since 1968. Well, I mean, that, it doesn't that, necessarily say that all most holy people get it. It's just saying that the people <laughs> right. that get it are of the holier. Or of the holy, yeah. Realm. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, so so that 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 really bothered me too and and, I, and and unfortunately i believe that's why people don't talk about this subject seriously and try to understand it is because most of most people look at it as a joke well i don't think it should be a joke i think it's something to look into because because jj and father bob raised some very good questions that i did not know it's kind of hard for me to believe that the only people that have ever had this is from the Roman Catholic background. Maybe, maybe some of the Protestants have had it and ashamed to say it, or, uh, well, why not the Orthodox Church? Uh, well, there have been a few Southeastern Buddhists who have had similar cases to, uh, uh, to being a stigmatic and further there have been some um, occult figures who have also claimed to have had it though those are heavily suspected of uh, fraud however another thing that complicates this is that even in the realm of the holy there has been quite a few cases of fraud going on and even in the case of uh, father Pio Yes, there were numerous examinations of his wounds, but no one can really pinpoint how free of religious um, authority these doctors may have been. Uh, one was a self-avowed parishioner of uh, Father Pio. Could that have been bias-based? Who knows? <clears throat> well, I'm. I, I I typed in, you know, living stigmatics, and so far the most interesting thing that, that has come up is a guy named Father Zlatko Sudak. Anybody heard of Father Sudak? Father Zlatko Sudak, mm -mm. a modern day priest, mystic, and stigmatist. Uh, where is this guy from? Somewhere in Eastern Europe, I'm pretty sure. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Grown up in the Croatian town of, oh man, Vrubnik. It's a it's a six letter word with one vowel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's that should a good be easy Slavic to say. Name for you. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> so. But apparently, there is at least one living stigmatic, or someone who claims to be a stigmatic. 
Look, my my feeling with most of these things is I think most of the incredibly holy people that I've been around, and I think I have been around a few, they're very quiet. They're very reserved. They're very, they very much are by themselves. They do not want to draw attention to themselves in any way, except if they are preaching and except if they are giving a message to someone. I'm pretty sure the world has plenty of stigmatics, but they keep to themselves. They deal with this uh, the best they can. I can't remember which which saint it was. One of the Saint Teresa's, I think, who, you know, one of these girls who went into uh, the convent when she was 13, 14 or something, and was not readily accepted by the other by the other nuns. It's one of the discalced uh, convents, but she did her work, and she was, you know, essentially a a good example of someone who lives a quiet, holy life. And at one point, <clears throat> there was a doctor who was called to examine her because she had slowed down, and he found that she had some horrible uh, orthopedic tumor, bone tumor, that would be so painful that most people would be screaming, wouldn't be able to do anything. And so all she did, you know, every day, she did her work. Now, the one of the nuns who had really given her a hard time, once she realized the kind of pain she must have lived with all those years, became deeply, deeply devoted to her, you know, carrying her about and that kind of thing. I feel like most of the time when there are these deeply holy manifestations, people are keeping to themselves or a very small group of people. Good point. It's also, a, you know, you talk about Protestants not having it. Would Protestants even recognize it? Very I had point. never yeah. heard of the stigmata until I saw the movie. Really? Right? Yeah. Hmm. You know, and that was when I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd never heard of that in a, in a Protestant church. I, I guess I should be ashamed. I've never seen this movie. You're not missing anything <laughs> at all, ever. <laughs> It's a great movie, Vic. It's awful. Oh, my gosh. It makes certain parts of my body want to crawl inside other parts of my body just to about that movie. Hey, it is almost as good as The Fallen. Or Dogma. Let's not forget that lovely piece. Of I, I, I haven't said this, and I, I hate to interrupt Father... Father uh, who are you? Father Mike. Yeah, Father Mike's show. But I watched the, the newer Exorcist movie the other day, Exorcist Believer. Oh, or something. I'm sorry. My gosh, that thing was horrible. I mean, it was really, really, really bad. Well, I'm, I'm glad I didn't waste my time. Then. Don't waste your time. It's it's just. Oh, I'll still wind up watching it, and I I, but I already know it's going to be a train wreck. I watched well, it on Pe Peacock, but it's terrible. If uh, we're going to mention all the other ones and in Dogma and everything like that, we might as well even recognize do you guys remember the movie that came out several years ago the senator i remember the movie coming out i don't remember ever seeing it i never saw I've that one. It. really it, it's 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 about this guy he was some kind of well there there have been actual 
sin eaters, people who call themselves sin eaters. Yeah, when a person's dying, they will celebrate Holy Eucharist on their chest. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And 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 take their sin in, and I'm like, where the heck did this come from? It's another thing I had never heard of until I saw the series Sleepy Hollow. Did you ever see the series Sleepy Hollow? I have seen some of it. Yes, very. I enjoyed that one a lot. It's oh, yeah. you know, a guy from uh, revolutionary times, you know, come back in the future. But there's a sin eater in that, and that must have been what ten years ago. I saw that. I had never heard of a sin eater before then, and then it seemed to pop up everywhere after that. Another interesting concept. I would be interested to know where that came from in the church. I would too. If it Father did. Bob, JJ, sin uh, I, I, I believe don't think it. it. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Father Go ahead. Bob. I don't think it comes from the church. I think it's. I think it's probably folk belief that that people have hung on to. I, I can't. I certainly don't see the Catholic Church ever teaching this as as doctrine. I I think where it came from is in the Appalachian area, um, in the eighteen late eighteen early nineteen hundreds, and I think it it rose up among some of these pseudo Pentecostal groups, Barton and Stone. maybe. Uh, there may have been a influence of some of the African American uh, influence there, probably early in the 1800s when they still had some of the African practices in there, where they where they merged it in with certain things of Christianity, and then I think some of the Pentecostal groups in the mountains picked it up in very remote places in the late 1800s. That was my understanding. Yeah, it was never, it was never part of the Roman Catholic or any of the sacramental churches. I don't believe. Yeah, I, I guess uh, to to clarify my my comment, it's it's not that I thought that it came from the church. Usually, they point to you find some practice like that, and they point to some piece of scripture. Oh, well, this is where this is justified, right? This is where we hang this, pin this belief on. Not that it was taught by the church, but that. It would be interesting to see where they find a foundation for it. And you're right, it may not have anything to do with Christianity at all. And I, I will tell you this, as a Tennessean, this is one of the reasons why... So, for those that don't know, Tennessee is divided, and it's a very long state, and it is divided into three regions, um, eastern, middle, and western Tennessee. And this is why the rest of the state that does not exist within East Tennessee can often cast side eyes toward the mountains of East Tennessee because that's where you get some of the strangest religious practices coming out of. Uh, Sin eating, snake handling, you don't mess with mountain folk. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. I grew up in those mountains. Not in the Tennessee part, but in the Virginia part, right up the road. There you go. Yep. Well, so something interesting to me, I wanted to take it back to where you started this, Father Mike, which was that verse in Galatians uh, 6, verse 17. This is one of those cases, you know, we look at these different translations, and the majority of the time, it's a little easier to read one than another, but there's not significant 
doctrinal issues most of the time, right? In a difference in a translation, unless you're going in with one of the like really interpretive versions where they're changing the story itself. But I looked at these two because you use the Dewey Rames, right? Mm -hmm. And in the Dewey Rames, it says from now on, let no one cause trouble for me for I bear, wait, that's not the Dewey Rames. Let me go back to the Dewey Rames. Um, it says, From henceforth let no man be troublesome to me, for I bear the marks of Lord Jesus in my body. Okay, now that could be the, uh, the sacraments, right? In your body, basically on your soul, something inside of you. It's using that word in. But if you look at the New American Standard, which is what I generally read, the translation is, From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. So that's a translation difference that could have significantly different meaning, I would think. And, and I am of total agreeance with you. And uh, I had a hard time with that, too. And, and, and part of the reason why I went back to the Dewey Rames is, is <laughs> mainly because it came for King Jimmy. But uh, at any rate, uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, the, and the King James just says almost the exact same thing as the Dewey it, it, Rames. It, it, too, it does. It, it really it, does. It, yeah. it does. It does. But... Uh, but I wanted to go back as early as I could, and uh, but for me, and I'm speaking for me personally, and and like I said, I am not beyond reproach. When I read this, I'm reading this as the same way that I would when St. Paul was speaking to the Corinthians concerning Holy Eucharist. For I received from the Lord Jesus the same thing that I received to you. And when I, or excuse me, for I received from the Lord Christ the same thing that I'm giving to you, speaking about Holy Eucharist. And when I read this, I'm reading it 98% in the same way. I am I'm bearing in my body Christ. So let no man be troubled to me, because I have peace in Christ. Does that make sense to you? Certainly. Mm -hmm. and, and so, 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 but how this became an argument about, well, okay, well, maybe Paul was the first stigmatic. No, St. Francis was. Well, like I said earlier, it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is... Did this really happen? And maybe it did, maybe it didn't, but nobody's ever discussed it. And I guess it doesn't really matter that much to a lot of people, but for me and for others out there that want a definitive argument of some kind, is what people portraying true 
or is the church portraying something false? And me personally, that is a question that not only needs to be answered, but probably deserves to be answered. Absolutely. And the reason why I say that is, well, the scripture also tells us, let no man, let, let, let man be not deceived. God will not be mocked. So if this is a mockery or something against God, uh, we'll be into a whole lot of people. Well, I do know that there are people who are, how do I say this correctly, so, who so deeply love God, who are so deeply attached to the fact that they're a creature of God and that's their entire life. My understanding is that Padre Pio had decided he was devoting his life to God by age five. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's really young. Yeah, like age five. Uh, I mean, I, I hadn't devoted myself to liking chocolate milk by age five, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I didn't have the, I don't have that kind of ability. So there's no question to me that there are people who would accept whatever difficulty or burden or pain that God chose them to bear. And I, and I, I have no problem thinking that God does deal with the world sometimes, with individuals, by asking people to suffer. Now, now with that being said, I, I swore I was not going to share this tonight, but you, since you brought it up. Now, I can take it back if you'd like. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I will say this. God can make Scripture great revelation to you. Because mm-hmm. I remember after my second hit replacement, and and you guys know my whole story. Yeah, you, you, yeah. That, mm-hmm. I mean, I was going through some serious, serious pain and discomfort to the point to where, I mean, you know, either take the pain away from me or, or let me die. And, and I was reminded that night very vividly of the scripture where Paul talks about the thorn in the flesh mm-hmm. and how he cried out to the Lord three times, let this pass from me. I can't take it anymore, in other words. Mm-hmm. And Christ said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And that is a night to where I was in my bedroom in tears to where all of a sudden this scripture became revelation to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point to where I knew God said, well, you're going to go through this, but I'm going to keep you. You're going to go through this, but I'm going to I'm going to comfort you. And so I understand that part. I mean, I understand it to a T. But to this is just a subject that I've always just wanted to talk about because 
I just think it, I just thought it deserved to be talked about. Well, as far as I know, this particular podcast is the only time it's ever been discussed seriously. Exactly, <laughs> and, and that's why. <laughs> On the Internet. I mean, yeah. in the entire podcast world, I haven't been able to find another single instance of somebody talking about it seriously. Not a single one. Did you check YouTube? Nothing on YouTube either? I was just checking podcasts today because I, I, I wasn't watching anything. And, I didn't, hmm. and, of course, Dave, I, did, I didn't go more past about eight or nine. Sure. But, no, no. But, well, that's a Can I bring up right? another, another point here? Yeah, yes, go ahead. Nobody's mentioned. Another point of something to think about. What are the cultural implications of this? Because just about all of the stigmatics that I am familiar with were from Italy or from a uh, Italian Roman type background you know the uh, uh in other words in other words could there be a cultural aspect here that we're missing for for example uh i just looked this up uh when we were talking about the sin eater thing it came originally through the celtic welch people that came to america from wales in the 1800s late 17 early 1800s and they were the ones that settled in the appalachian mountains and that's where part of this came from. Another strain of it came out of Mexico because they were practicing that in Mexico as well. So there was a cultural aspect to that. Now, what I'm saying is, could there be a cultural aspect to the stigmata as well? Absolutely. Maybe a cultural aspect to recognizing it, but you, you wouldn't think that... Well, you know, we have talked about in other podcasts the, the idea of the mind creating certain events. Sure. Um, you know, could your beliefs, based on your culture, cause you to create this event where the stigmata actually That's what happens? I'm suggesting. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Well, uh, it was... It was, it was a late 1800s uh jj correct me if i'm wrong since you're from there but it was it was in the late 1800s that while the or at the second at the ending of the second great awakening that the big time very uh, a lot of people don't know about this but the 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 real big cambridge revival came about uh, with uh, Barton Stone, and that was a very powerful um, time and period, just just as much as the Second Great Awakening was, because they were so close together. So, I'm wondering, did that come from the Cane Ridge revivals, JJ? I'm not sure. I'm not sure JJ heard you. JJ? I don't know if he can hear us. What was that? Okay. Uh <laughs> sorry. No, no, no. We, we we were talking about we were talking about times in history and I said uh uh I said correct me if I'm wrong, but 
at the at the time of the second great awakening in the um and then along in the 1800s was the big cane ridge revivals and uh with a barton stone and i was wondering well maybe did all this start around that time area no actually all cases of stigmata erupted after the great schism in what 1054 i think it is so okay. it yeah much much earlier than that now the 1800s of course is very famous for a lot of different movements that erupted not you know the least of which was uh spiritualism and all of the um phoniness that erupted from that but yeah now this predates that by a good bit yeah but but we we uh, i was i was we 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 got started talking about sin eaters and all that too in, in uh, more than likely i would say yeah. so but i don't know that the, for sure though the the cane ridge revival was in 1801 it was actually part of the second great awakening yeah. it probably was the trigger to the second great awakening okay uh, yeah, but the, the the sin eater thing came around the same time from the welsh and Celtic people that were coming into America and settling in the Appalachian Mountain areas. Okay. And uh, so, but all that was part of the same generational thing, I guess you might say. It, it, so, yeah, it was probably a part of that Second Great Awakening. But as far as the stigmata go, there's no pattern there in terms of any kind of revivalism that would trigger stigmata. You know, I don't see any any real renewal or revival in the church at any time when the stigmata is taking place. Yeah, Father Mike, this is why I stay firmly in the realm of no later than Second Temple Judaism. Because <laughs> Things get very confusing after that, right? <laughs> Oh, this is awesome. This is awesome. Is it true? I mean, I've heard another story that I've heard was prior to Francis receiving, I'll use that word, receiving the stigmata, that he had undergone a very deep series of prayers okay, where he was praying for God to help him love God more, to help his faith, and that he... In, in looking for an answer, he was continually going to his Bible and opening it up to a particular place. And that over and over and over again, he would open the Bible to the crucifixion. And it was after this that he received the stigmata. Is that another just apocryphal story, or has anybody else heard that? I asked the weirdest questions. I'm I think sorry. that... <laughs> I think that's pretty much true. No, I think that's pretty much true. This is why I suggested before that maybe some of this was a one-time or a short-term manifestation of God mm -hmm. that was not permanent in the person. Uh, because how many years did Francis actually manifest the stigmata? It was not a great deal of time, I don't believe. Less than a year, I think. <clears throat> I yeah, that's what months. I'm saying. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. It could mm -hmm. have been a, a manifestation of God to him, as you're suggesting, to confirm that God had heard his prayer. And maybe it was a very personal thing. And then other people have taken this and blown it out of proportion. When I think about my, my mother, I mean, I, I, look, even the holiest people are still people. <laughs> and, and, and as as such, they are imperfect people. I can understand if even if it were a short term thing, making one feels that making one feel so blessed and close to God that they would not want it to go away. And oh, yeah. e even if they had to artificially enhance it, some people might. And I, and I wouldn't even be able to really judge them negatively on that. I mean, I can remember my you know, listening to my mother, who, you know, was was a very, very strong but very mentally unhealthy Catholic. And when I, when I say that she was mentally unhealthy, she suffered from uh, extreme scrupulosity. She would, you know confess the same sin over and over and over again. She was certain that she was going to be condemned for not going to mass physically when she had pancreatic cancer. She just couldn't couldn't go. There's no possible way for her physically to get there. But <clears throat> as soon as as long as I can remember, she would watch movies like The Song of Bernadette. And she would pray fervently for that to happen to her. That she was, and I can remember her saying things to me like, "You know, my life would really mean something if I could have a vision of the Virgin Mary." So she wanted this kind of thing to happen. Now, I never heard her say the same thing about the stigmata, but I can see that having the same appeal to someone. Everybody goes quiet I, after I stop talking. Do I just say really stupid things? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There wasn't really a question at the end of it. No, it's a good, it's a good point. I, I it wasn't it. stupid at all. That was just, that's a very heavy story. <laughs> to be yeah. completely honest, because I, I mean, I've got family members who have, done similar things not in a catholic setting but in a more protestant one but oh yeah and and to not want something to stop that's a that's a whole other story in itself but josh found uh, uh another translation from the greek something another hold on <clears throat> one second it's on the uh the Eastern Greek Orthodox Bible, the, the EOB New Testament, um, it says, From now on, let no one cause me any trouble, for I bear the marks of the Lord Jesus branded on my body. Okay, that's a different take. Hmm. And and with that being said, and, with, and even with all the other translations that we've talked about, uh, I can see the argument to where... St. Paul would not have been the first uh, stigmatic because he was 
tortured mm -hmm. many times. And so it, it would be real easy to say that I'm wearing the marks of Christ on my body. Not not that. Of course, yes. Not, not, oh, not yeah. His, yeah, yeah, branded on my body by these yeah. Roman soldiers. Exactly. Yeah, I've been <laughs> beat. Yeah. I've been kicked. I've yeah. been yeah. whipped. I mean, right. Yeah, not necessarily the, the wounds he suffered in his passion, but just for believing. That makes a know? great deal more sense. And, 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 see, and see, it's funny to me that that recently in the latter years, if you if you dive just a little bit deeper, people will be talking about things like that that they're suffering, not necessarily the wounds of Christ, but suffering with Christ. Even though Christ said we would suffer, you with me? That they're reasoning away the term stigmata as just for trials and tribulations, just to back up the word that it's actually true now. And I will challenge you all to look that up because it's out there. There's even there's even now cases to where people are suffering mental illness and but yet call it the stigmata because they're thinking about Christ. So there's a very th thin line going on here. And and you know, once again that's why I want to discuss this tonight cuz that thin line, nobody wants to talk about the hard things anymore, especially when it comes to <laughs> the bride. And, and I mean, I mean, for, for me personally, if Christ is coming back for a pure and holy bride, we got a lot that we need to talk about. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead, Father Bob. Uh, Victor... The story Victor gave, I, I want to add something to that. This stirs, this is going to stir up another hornet's nest, especially maybe for you, Mike. No, 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 no. We, we had, we love hornet. We, we love hornet. We nest. had a, we had a patriarch in our denomination that started our denomination, Randolph Adler, and he, okay, at one, at one point, was in Rome. And he was worshiping God at a very old church at Rome. One of the, in the catacombs of that church was one of the earliest places where the, where the church had met apparently. And Saint Clement. he had a vision, he had a vision of Christ and Christ spoke to him. And after that, he kept trying to, Re, regain that vision again mm -hmm. and one time he fasted for 80 days he actually ruined his body because he was fasting so much and he was trying to get another vision another uh encounter with christ like the one god gave him S sort of like you know that ties into what victor was saying about sometimes people because of their spirituality, they want to continue to walk in that, in that level of spirituality or whatever. Um, we also then had other bishops that actually fasted for lengthy periods of time and tried to get that same vision. And I remember for two or three years there, everybody was trying to get this vision of Christ again. 
and nobody got it. It was a one-time thing. I think we got to be very careful because this manifestation of Christ a lot of times is real. I've I had that experience myself, but you don't ever try to get it back again because, like I said, I think a lot of this is a one-time deal. It's it's God fulfilling his purpose in your life and it's not something we should pursue and maybe some of the stigmata that are out there are people trying to pursue what god has done in someone else's life or what god has done in their life and then another point that you brought up mike a lot of these people that have the stigmata have it spiritually they don't really have the wounds of christ physically but they feel it Mm-hmm. They feel the wound of Christ. And so they say they have it because they feel it all the time. So again, these are these are things that we have to be very careful of when we're when we're looking at it theologically. Hey, I thought Vic had some Well, no, I, I'm I was just thinking i mean this has made my brain start rotating and moving i'm thinking i would like to talk to someone who claims to feel that and so i was thinking gosh how would you go about getting in touch with someone like that so the only thing i think i could think of was reddit (laughs) (laughs) well that could be fun well, I, I would say ask, but yet very closely filter before we invite them. <laughs> that 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 you gotta be... be real careful about that. Be real careful because yeah. one of the one of the biggest a psychiatrist actually told to me this one time. One of the biggest delusions that people have is thinking that either they have some kind of divine spark of God in them that they are part of the Godhead or that, that that God speaks to them on a regular basis. Now, we know God does speak to us on a regular basis, but again, there's that fine line there because we got to be very careful that we're not dealing with someone that's having hallucinations or delusional. Oh, yes. Well, there, see, there are plenty see, of those. We'll see that takes me back to what i said very early in once these guys first met me is it would be very easy for me to say okay i'm 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 stigmatic because i suffer every day right yes you do so that's the same point of lines where do you guys remember when i told you that you when it comes to exorcisms, you can't cast out mental illness. Yes, I do. So for me to say that I'm thinking about it, I'm 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 reasoning away my mental illness just because I'm in pain every day. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I mean, pe- people make all kinds of mental leaps like that i mean they so i'm not i'm not buying the i know god gave us emotions right mm-hmm. that's our, our, our i mean we're spirit soul and body right 
and our soul is our mind our will and our emotions that's that's how we learn that's how we uh trust that's how we learn love toward one another and there's nothing wrong with that and our emotions need to be felt but when it comes to a mental illness uh, okay i have a bad dream one night that all of a sudden i'm affected by god's wounds that does not necessarily um make it that i'm stigmatic no or that i have divine quote-unquote gift from god because <laughs> sorry okay there vic you didn't do anything wrong i got you? him all choked up <clears throat> nope that was just me um but, your uh, first time drinking <laughs> but father mike if you ever do feel the sudden urge to go search for pre-gnostic texts like the gospel of john or make really horrible hollywood movies i will come after you <laughs> please do please do i mean i mean come on guys i mean you know see see that that's the whole argument that i made at the beginning of this and and, and please please hear my heart i i am not discounting this whatsoever and i will never discount any move action voice anything from god our father okay but it it i mean david you are not the only protestant out there <laughs> i'm probably the chief of them okay so with with that being said i you know i'm not discounting anything but but the the timeline that is factual okay and i understand that there's certain things that we have to take by faith i mean jj and i discussed that in a recent episode on the paranormal rundown and uh but there's there's a fine line between taking things by faith and taking things uneducated and and that is why hosea spoke through the spirit of god and said my people are being destroyed from a lack of knowledge and and so with that being said i don't want to say that some of us may have been deceived by this but i will go along the same lines as uh father bob that i'm not discounting this but maybe it has only happened a whole lot fewer times than we thought it happened and maybe this got blown up all out of proportion because there's not enough i mean there's not enough there within the early church fathers to convince me that this has always been a uh, great happening. Well, in there's other words. a lot of stuff that, you know, that people latch on to that has nothing to do with the early church. I mean, you look at Fatima, right? You look at the the things that have happened in 
added to tradition or beliefs within the Catholic Church that, you know, a lot I of agree. people I agree. Yeah. super strongly believe in. And, and those are all things that I, I'm extremely skeptical of, right? I, I don't know. Um, but it also doesn't mean that, that God doesn't interact with people in the world in a way to create inspiration and, you know, convert people and, and help move the church forward. I, I have no problem with the idea of the stigmata. I, in fact, I think it's a, a beautiful concept, right? <clears throat> a sharing in the suffering of Christ and uh, in, in a way that's so, um, so clear, right, in how it happens, right? It's crucifixion is such a, a unique way to die i mean it's not like you're you're sharing in the the uh accidents from a car accident you know or you know falling off a cliff i mean these are very specific things i, I was reading this um because i knew that i had read something about it i was going to ask earlier if, if we knew of anyone who had uh had the mark of the spear in their stigmata and mm -hmm. and i came across this one and and this is the one i was thinking of uh which is the uh, saint Gemma galgani uh who who had the stigmata but she was had he, was she the, the one that died after the spear I, I don't think she i don't think she died from the spear no okay okay um, that was the whole thing in the movie Stigmata. I don't know if that's a thing or not. That, I don't know. Um, it, it, that would seem to be an excessive, uh, sharing of the suffering of Christ. If, if it actually kills you, uh, not quite so inspirational, but she had all of the, the signs. So, you know, the marks from the crown, the hands, the feet. But what it talks about is, is that in the side, the, the actual wound was in the shape that a Roman spear would have made, which isn't just a straight line. Um, according to this, it's, it's a slight half moon in the way the spear would have gone in. And that was, was interesting. But I wonder how often that happens. And I wonder if that is sort of a sign of a true case of it versus just, you know, some marks on your palms. Yeah, that would didn't be... Francis have that? David, didn't Francis have the spear? Uh, I believe so. I saw that one too. I'll have to look that. I'll look that up. I just went to Reddit and I did find one thing. I'm just going to read it if you don't mind. <clears throat> because it, I think it says a lot. Go for it. Is wanting to receive the stigmata considered weird or sinful? Good evening, brothers and sisters. Sorry to bother you at such a late time. Just want to ask if wanting to receive the stigmata is weird. I really have a hard time believing that I am doing the right thing because sometimes when I do the right thing, many people I wish to help end up getting angry or hurt. I researched and got inspired by the stories of some saints, like St. Padre Pio, 
who receive their stigmata as reward for their strong faith and obedience toward God. It is because of this that I believe if I do receive the stigmata, it may be a solid indicator that I am doing the right thing. Through this, I can gain confidence in myself again and continue the mission God wants me to fulfill. Is this sinful? Am I missing something here? So this is okay. the guy who this is the guy who wants the stigmata. All right, let let me go back to my very opening. Mm -hmm. Now, like I said, <clears throat> I am not discounting the stigmata whatsoever. And I believe in it. But at the same time, I have a hard time calling this a gift instead of a great burden. And for anyone to want to suffer unnecessarily for Christ is a whole nother story than what we hear on the Sermon of the Mount in the Beatitudes that we're going to experience trials and tribulations and persecutions because such is the prophets that did before Christ, right? That's a whole nother story. How nobody, nobody, I can't, I can't understand anyone through history that has ever said, I want this. I want to suffer like Christ. I want to go through these trials and tribulations. I want, I mean, God will keep us. But to me, uh, and, and this is just my, guys, forgive me, this is my Southern Chattahoochee River redneck thoughts here, all right? But to me, for someone to want something like this, if Father Bob's, Father Bob, correct me if I'm wrong, is delusions of grandeur. I could see that, but you said suffer, want to suffer unnecessarily. So where's right. the line? Anything above fasting? Is it accepting the pain in your life without taking pain medicine? Well, you got, that's is a it, great point. Great where, point there. Yeah. Where is it? Which, you know, I'm not a fan of, but I should I, suffer more. It's uh, well, well, I mean, but, but, but that's a great, but to, to me, David, when someone has received the stigmata, okay, that makes me want to go back to Holy Scripture. It is through the passion it is through these sufferings, right, that that we are born again, that we are healed. By his stripes we are what? Healed, right? Mm -hmm. By his blood in his body we are saved. I do not and cannot believe that Christ went through these sufferings of the passion so that we have to as well 
Now, Father Bob, <clears throat> I want you to echo on this. There, there, there was a case in 2002 where a psychological study was done of the stigmata of Therese Newman. Mm -hmm. And there was a psychoanalytic psycho study that was done that suggested that her stigmata came about from post-traumatic stress expressed by unconscious self-mutilation through ab abnormal auto-suggestibility. And so th that would be where she, she wanted to suffer so much, uh, kind of like what you were saying, Mike, she wanted to suffer so much that she convinced herself to to subconsciously mutilate her own body. But she was physically mutilating her own body. This was yeah, not happening exactly. because of belief, right? No. Okay. No. I. But apparently, she didn't realize she was doing it. Mm -hmm. She didn't. She was not. She was not aware that it was ha she thought it was a supernatural act of god her mind blocked and, that action out yeah right right <clears throat> right and and this is where it was a kind of a psychosis mm -hmm. that was the only study i could find where they, they did something psychological or a psychiatric study kind of deal but see, just because one one thing like that, that doesn't mean they're all like that, though. That no, doesn't uh, doesn't invalidate the idea of the matter. We just have to realize that, like everything else that God does, the enemy has a counterfeit. Very good point. Yes. Oh, that's a really good point. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So, a self mutilation potentially uh demonically influenced to mock the true yes. uh stigmata the, the buddhists do this david the buddhists do this the buddhists do this they emulate they em, burn themselves up immolate immolation say it, but mm -hmm. self-immolation yeah mm -hmm. okay they burn themselves up they also create wounds on their on their body and a lot of this is a demonic manifestation. And so why would we, we be surprised that the Christian church wouldn't have people mm -hmm. that are influenced by the demonic to do certain things too? Well, you, yes. you raise a good point there. And uh, JJ, you with us? Yeah, I am. I am fading fast though, and okay. I've got to get up early, so oh, okay. I might have to ditch out a little early. But before I, before I do though, I do want to say that this isn't the first mirror um, of putrefaction that we've seen from the infernal. The infernal refer to themselves as the kingdom, just like we refer to ourselves as the kingdom. Um, you know, the, the satanic temple ha and the satanic church have seven tenets and, you know, mimics the holy number of seven. So, yeah, anything that can be twisted and inverted 
to make a parody of the divine is always to great delight of the enemy. Well, indeed, I, and uh, that is you. You raise a very good point, and and that is absolutely the truth. But uh, I, I wanted <laughs> uh, going on our conversation last night uh, with you. I'm, I'm I'm glad that you missed the Jesuits because they are nothing like they used to be in the past. So uh, very good deal. Uh, <laughs> but but which which group? Uh, which, which, I know it was not the Jesuits, but there was a certain, there was a certain brotherhood or society of priests that practice self-mutilation, especially when it came to uh, burning themselves of sin and confession. Who was that? What group was that? I don't know. They would, they would, they would kneel before the Lord in piety and whip themselves on their backs. Well, in, in the autoflagellation. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I, Go ahead. In Father the uh, in the in the around the twelve hundreds, roughly when when the bubonic plague was sweeping the earth, and this was about the time that we started to see the stigmata up, up, uh, in various individuals in the church too. But at that time, there was a group of the flagellates and they would go around and beat themselves and whip themselves. You still have this practice in Latin America in some countries and also in the Philippines in mm -hmm. some sects. There, It's not a major uh, mainline church thing, but you have certain groups that are in Latin America that blend in some of the pagan practices of their forebears with Roman Catholic theology. And they practice this uh, sort of self-mutilation, self-flagellization. Uh, they even sometimes crucify themselves during Easter season. Right, they do. Uh, yeah. You'll see the same thing <clears throat> happen in the Philippines as well. But it was fairly widespread in the Middle Ages. There was, uh, this sect had many ad adherents. And so, you know, it's just odd that that is also when we see the majority of the stigmata uh, appear right after that. And and that that's why I brought that up. Uh, so... That's very interesting that it goes quite along with what uh, some of those have said tonight, that even self-mutilation, people may be calling stigmata as well. Oh, yeah. We've talked about a number of really bad movies tonight. Um, there is one really good movie that I want to talk about. It has nothing to do with stigmata, really. Except I think there is a very quick scene of it in the movie. <clears throat> it's called Resurrection. It's about, it stars Ellen Burstyn. Does anybody, have you seen that, Father Mike? You're, 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 you're muted. You're quiet. I believe that I have seen it. Mm -hmm. uh, it sounds very familiar. It may, it may take a little prodding. 
it's a pretty standard story. I mean, uh, Ellen Burson's playing a, you know, a completely normal young woman who wants to marry a guy and takes money she saved and she buys a really neat car for him. And the first time they go out to drive it in California, he drives off a cliff. He's killed. She's almost killed. But so she is clinically dead. One of these people who kind of comes back after being clinically dead. She had the standard visions while she was clinically dead. When she gets back, she's paralyzed. She's not able to move. But she finds that she has the ability to heal people. Okay? Laying on of hands, healing people. Uh, yes, I have seen that, yeah. It's a good yeah, movie. I've seen that. <laughs> Very good. And, and she's, she's able to heal most people. And then one day... <clears throat> they show her in a church with a woman who's very horribly sick, and right. she's she can't do anything for her. the The power's not working, and she says, "You know, some people need their illness in order to be loved. Some people need their illness in order to love others." And so she's talking about this being a situation where the illness is actually a a needed thing for this woman, spiritually. And I, once again, I, I place a lot of these things kind of in the same category in that I, I doubt if there are very many real stigmatics, but I think there are a whole lot of people who want to be a stigmatic. And I realize that goes very much against your idea of, you know, this would be a, a burden, a curse. Yeah. Some people want those burdens and curses. Uh, yeah, yeah, some do. Uh, I do have to to drop y'all. I apologize. It's okay. No problem. Good night, JJ. Go get some. Go get some sleep, JJ. I'm going to have yourselves a good one. Take care. Absolutely. Take care, buddy. So, looking back at the so first of all, Saint Francis did have the mark in his side. He had yes. hands, feet, and side. Yeah. Um, but an interesting note when I look back at the the Saint Saint Gemma case, and I think this is the case with most stigmatics. I don't think there's a whole lot of of true suffering here from a pain standpoint. Agreed. Yeah. Right. So you were talking, Father Mike, about, you know, why would you want to go through all that suffering? I mean, it's obviously not a convenient thing that, you know, there's a lot of bleeding, you know, for of like St. Francis of Assisi. Talk, it talks about two years worth of, of bleeding pretty regularly. And the same thing with uh, with St. Gemma is the idea of you know especially the wound in in her side was would bled quite a bit but it's not near the suffering that Christ went through correct i mean they're the stigmata are showing the most trivial parts of the crucifixion yes and, yes it's the, very true you know the most trivial yeah. parts of the crucifixion the, uh, you never hear of a stigmatic who's having a congestive heart failure or pulmonary edema Right. Uh, which is really what kills you from a crucifixion, not the not the bleeding from your hands or your feet. That's well, that's and, pretty trivial. They also, I mean, this was something that the movie showed 
when when each new wound appeared, she lived that event. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and I don't think you know. It's, they actually describe how it began with with Saint Gemma, and it wasn't like that. It was it was no. There was no. It was a uh, a religious experience experiencing it, not a pain and suffering experience. Correct. Correct. So it seems to be more of a. You know, just a way to demonstrate a a shared closeness with Christ, as opposed to actually carrying the cross yourself and experiencing <clears throat> that pain. That makes sense. That makes sense. There, there's there's some interesting stories with Father Pio, where uh, he had on numerous occasions wrestled with and fought with demonic spirits, and it seemed like one of the things that accompanied the stigmata with him was encountering evil spirits. And um, sometimes this would get quite violent, I understand. That, uh, was, that, was, one they, the, that was one of the things go that ahead. I failed. That, well, no, I was just going to say that that was one of the things that I failed to bring up is because even though... Uh, Padre Pio was stated that sometimes he was embarrassed by it, but he also went through severe demonic turmoil. Yes, yeah. that's true. At least that's what he reported. Of but, essentially but, having daily physical battle with the devil. Yeah, go ahead, Father yeah. Bob. Right. No, that's, uh, Vic is right. I mean, that's ex exactly what... Uh, what I what I think was was happening here, there was a daily war with the devil, in a sense, or physical encounters with demonic spirits, and so maybe in his case, the stigmata was given as a counter to that. Mm -hmm. Okay, well that that okay. Now that we're on that subject. Uh, I wanted to pose this question tonight, and I know we've gone a little long, but please forgive me. It's your uh, show, man. <laughs> this is this is not our longest podcast by whatsoever. But anyway, but but since we're on the subject of bringing up the demonic in it, uh, I've read a lot of cases to where people would see this but also at the same point um, have a encounter with the mother and it An encounter with, me, with Mary yes yes uh -huh. and it and it took me back to uh, how many of you remember the movie that supposedly is supposed to be true about the uh, exorcism of uh, uh, Emily Rose. Emily Rose. Yeah, I've seen it. Uh, it, 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 it. It's based on a true story. And, you know, and it was stated that after she saw the Blessed Mother, then she died. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the, the right Blessed Mother after. gave her a choice of continuing yeah. with this uh, this fight, this possession, 
and uh-huh. she chose to continue. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now, now, this is why I love this podcast so much. Okay, because number one, I, I believe totally one hundred percent that people have experienced the stigmata. <clears throat> I just want to discuss the hard things. You with me? Yeah. Uh, I have no problem with anyone being de- demonically possessed and then seeing the Blessed Mother who stomped on the devil's head uh, and received freedom. But what is your guy? What What are you guys' thoughts about? I know the Bible in Father Bob. Uh, you're you're my mentor and canon theologian correct me if i'm wrong i know the scripture talks about ministering angels and that certain things happen to save our souls from eternal perdition okay and uh but what are you guys thoughts about dying in order to save your immortal soul that's a well, that's a whole other podcast, okay? That's, a, that's, that's an easy question, uh, Father but Mike. Uh, thank you I for know. that. <laughs> but, but, but seriously, that is a very hard question. And, and, and like I said, th- this is a whole other podcast. But, I, 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 but as I was thinking today about it, I said, okay, God, this is going to come up. If it comes up, I'll ask the question. Well, and could so, you <laughs> give me an example where that would be required? Other than, I I guess the Emily Rose situation is the only one I can think of right away, but... Refusal to accept the mark of the beast. That's one we've talked about. uh, We've talked about refusal to accept the mark of the beast. We have have talked about that as well. And, I mean... Remember the motorcycle with the guillotine on the back? Hello. (laughs) That's right. I mean, mean, if we we seriously thought about it, we could probably think of a hundred reasons to die right now. What are, things that I would, what are things that I would die for without any question? Uh, I would jump in front of a bullet or a train or a knife or anything to keep my sons or Caroline from dying. No question, no hesitation. In- well, that... that inst- instantly. That, well, see, but see, but see that, that, Vic, in my opinion, is fatherhood... And devotion and to a wife, yeah. Husband one oh one. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm 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 talking about <clears throat> where death would be an only option to save your soul from hell. Because because if we took the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose by Word by word, verse by verse, like we do the scripture, right? Mm-hmm. She had no other choice. I, if we, it, hmm. well, she, she well, I, I, by saying she didn't have any other choice, that that's that's putting a stretch. But but she was she was saved by giving that choice. That's what I would say. I don't think that's the way that story went. Okay. 
correct me, please. I, I agree. If if I recall, and now I, it's been a while since I've seen the movie, but if I recall the story of the the real life story, she was asked to continue to accept the possession, okay, to offer it up for something. In the church, and I, I forget what okay. that was. Okay. I don't know if that was for the Pope or the church or that makes sense. People yeah. in the church, but it was it was a take. Are you willing to continue taking on this suffering in order to do something good with it? I don't think it was. Are you, will you take this on, or you're going to go to hell? Uh, I think the experience with Mary was you've suffered enough. But if you continue to suffer, you can do some good with it. Is that Correct. what you remember, Vic? Yeah, that's pretty much okay. it. A, a, okay. a matter of almost marriage. That, that almost... brings me to that. That brings me to this. So, if there was any true stigmatic out there, mm-hmm. I would say she was one. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean. Not in terms of actually having the stigmata, but in terms of being exactly asked, in terms of being asked to suffer, asked to, to suffer, yes. further the the kingdom of God. Now, now y'all say <clears throat> we all just twisted this whole conversation. So, but anyway, I'm <laughs> sorry. Right. No, 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 no. I I I did that on purpose <clears throat> to to bring about that question to get everybody's thoughts going to say. Now, let's think about the stigmatic this way as well. But that raises a whole other question. How many times have people agreed to take on something at the point of their own lives to do the work of Christ as to love your neighbor as yourself? And that's a whole nother question. And, and plus, the whole thing about the ministering angels that will come and gather those <clears throat> to save those immortal souls as well also. There's a lot of these in the... F- Father Bob, would you comment think on that, of, please? Think of the martyrs in the church, though. Exactly. All the history of martyrs. Correct, yes. Exactly right. Go ahead, Vic. No, I was going to talk about the martyrs, too. I mean, there are many people oh, yeah, who have died for their faith. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But in those cases, it's that death is, is always a choice to stay true to their faith, to help something... Right to uh, to preach the gospel, it's never because, well, if you don't die, you're going to go to hell. No, no. <clears throat> at least know, I've never I, heard I of think, a, I've never heard of a situation yeah. like that. What about what about Bob? What is the scripture has something to do? with the destruction of the flesh for the salvation of the soul. Somebody Google that. You want it, Dave? Yep. 
He's a man. Corinthians. Let's see here. All right, Corinthians 5 5. Let's go with the King James Version. To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, mm -hmm. that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Exactly. I don't know what the context around that is, so let me look up. Father Bob? You'd have to look at that whole passage to see yep. what, what he's really yeah. talking about here. I, I, you, I'm sorry, guys. I used to know that inside and out, but strokes got me. That's right. I'll look it up in the Dewey Reigns. Either I've typed in something wrong, or it may not. It may not be the exact chapter and verse in Dewey Reigns. Read that out of your translation, Mike. Read that again. Oh, 1 Corinthians. <laughs> That's why I couldn't find it. <clears throat> Sorry. Yep, I'm pulling it up right now. Get the 1 Corinthians. All right. Okay. So I'll start at the beginning. It's it's only a couple verses in. So 1 Corinthians 5, it says, It is absolutely heard that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as the like is not among the heathens, that one should have his father's wife. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he might be taken away from you that hath done this deed. Indeed, absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present him that hath done so. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, you being gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven corrupteth the whole lump? Purge out the old leaven that you may be the new paste as you are unleavened for the Christ our Pasch, P-A-S-C-H, is sacrificed. That, that's uh, the, the Passover, the, Paschal, the yeah. Eucharist. Paschal, the, yeah. yeah. Paschal okay. meal. Paschal, okay, got it. 
Um, and so, and so, historically, in the early realms of, like I said, David, you're you're, you're not the only Protestant one here. Uh, in the early days of my ministry, and especially Father Bob's in the PHC, we were taught that that context was sometimes because of our sin, okay, God will allow us to be taken out for the salvation of our souls instead of the destruction of our flesh of the evil one. Now, I must say that I got a hard time with that. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with it. But do I agree with sometimes God will let things like that happen by grace? I can't argue that fact either. But I knew somehow this would come up tonight, and I just want to get your guys' thoughts on it. And especially after reading that verse, I'd like to hear Father Bob's take on that. Do you remember there was a, um, in the 1940s and 50s, there was a uh, evangelist, William Branham, and he baptized a lot of people, but then some of his followers, instead of baptizing people in the name of the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they were baptizing people in the name of William Branham. And he did not, he did not stop that. He knew that was going on and he didn't put a stop to it. And he died shortly after. And a lot of Pentecostal people at that time believed that God took him out before he committed blasphemous sins. So whether that's true or not, we know that that did happen. And um, that's one example of what you're talking about. Another example would be earlier in the early church, the uh, uh, the heretic Arius, the way he died. Right. Yeah, that's good. What is somebody going to expound on that? How did Arius die? Somebody. I don't have any idea how Arius died. <laughs> I know he got his butt kicked by Nicholas. That's all I know. Hey, that was that was very impressive. But <clears throat> Josh, how did he? He died by, uh, he was disemboweled while trying to use the bathroom. Oh, that's right. That is absolutely correct. Yes. Yeah. It was as if he had a, something horrible happened. One. Yeah. Yeah, something horrible <laughs> happened. Uh, he was disemboweled by while trying to use the bathroom. He had a, could you call that a major movement major movement 
<laughs> Look at David. <laughs> I knew you were going there. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to figure out, you know, some disease process that would actually cause that to happen. Um, well, something really similar happened chili. to something. Something similar happened to. Um, remember, to Herod Antipas in the book of acts mm, yes so there are times when i think god does take people out true and, and... but now in those cases is is he taking them out to save their soul or is he taking them out to prevent further evil in the world that's a good question i would say the answer to that would be yes Perhaps, <laughs> because I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't refute either end of that story. I mean, both. I, that's why I said yes. I mean, it, it. So it seems to me that for God to ask someone to forfeit the remainder of their life in order to save their soul. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, for God to ask somebody to die for him, for his cause, that does. I mean, you take any holy war, anything like that, anybody who's asked to fight in it on the side of God, you are talking about dying for something holy. You know, or, you know, like you say with the apostles... All of that, that that all makes sense, but it's not a, um, again, it's not an either-or type thing. You know, either you do this or you're not going to have salvation. I, I, I think they're two separate. I can't think of a, a situation where God would say, well, this is how you earn salvation, because that's not how salvation is earned. <clears throat> Thank you so much, David, for that, what you just said, because uh, uh, the way that I don't want to, I don't want to stop anyone, and please, please don't stop asking questions, or, or please don't stop commenting, but I, I want to put this in there where it won't get lost, where it may can get put in there later. But this is the very reason why I wanted to bring up this conversation tonight. And everything that has been said had been said on purpose. To bring things to light of the mysteries of God that sometimes we don't understand. And some things we will never understand. But there's one thing that we must do when we're looking at the, the faith of the kingdom in that the only thing that matters is Christ and him crucified. There's certain events through history that has happened that we can explain. And there's certain things in history that we'll never be able to explain. Is the stigmata a very true event? Is it a very common event? Who knows? 
is the tradition or the belief of death to save the immortal soul true? Who knows? But when it comes down to the very point of it, those are things that we should actually not be concerned about. The thing that we should be concerned about should be our personal relationship with God. Because when it all comes down to it, there's two things that our Lord Jesus Christ taught us. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he said the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And even if we look at that very closely, there's a third thing there. As you love yourself. And there's certain times in our life that we need to ask God to give us grace to learn how to love ourselves. Because sometimes we're not happy with themselves, with ourselves, excuse me. And there's certain times that we don't know how, that we have to give it over to God and say, God, help me. There's certain times in our life that we have to say, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. <clears throat> And is it those times that we need to draw close back to our Father? Because He indeed is a good, good daddy. But I would invite your questions, audience. What do you have to say? What is your story? What would you say your defining moment in the gospel is all about? Because everything in our life in the kingdom is to do one thing. It's to glorify God and bear much fruit. So when it comes to things like the stigmata, when it comes to things like great cases of demonic possession, while those things are very important, the most important thing is your own relationship with God and to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and to seek Him the best way that you know how. But I will tell you this, I got five gentlemen tonight that would probably be very helpful for you in your own walk you're suffering and I would encourage you to join us and to reach out to any of us and we'll be there because that's what I can say with this group of men they are there for me so as you go from this place this evening may you remember the gospel of our Lord that God was in Christ Jesus reconciled the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. But remember this, God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And may the blessings of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Bless you.